Before she became an autism advocate and mom of four, Shaletta Brundage was an Emmy Award-winning comedian. Need something to put a smile in your face? Laughing with Letta is sure to tickle your funny bone. Check it out, but pee first and make sure you ain't drinking nothing when Shaletta's on a roll. That way you won't have anything to clean up when the podcast is over. A couple of weeks ago, I got a call from my best friend's sister. Um, she called to let me know that Tony, um, who I've known since I was 12 years old, we met in sixth grade, Lamar Fleming Middle School in Houston, Texas. He played the uh, violin and so did I. We were both classically trained at inner city schools back when music was appreciated. And we were in the orchestra together and um, we became best friends and um, he was the first boy I ever kissed. And we bonded like sister and brother um, throughout high school and he went off to college at Prairie View A&M University and, and I was at University of Houston and took my first job in Lake Charles, Louisiana and he went off to Oklahoma to be an engineer his lifelong dream. Um, and we always stayed connected. We stayed in touch. Um, he had a 12-year-old beautiful daughter. I had a 14-year-old son. We, you know, we're raising our kids together, man. You know? Uh, lifelong friends. Almost um, 40 years, close to 40 years of friendship. And his sister called me a couple weeks ago to tell me that he was not well, that he was sick. And I knew that he was sick, but I didn't know how sick because, you know, now I've, I've moved to Minnesota and, you know, I'm raising my family and my four kids, building my business. And he's in Phoenix, Arizona with his baby and his woman. And, you know, he's doing his thing there. So, you know, time slipped away from us talking every day and then time slipped away from us talking every week. And then time slipped away from us. And we were talking about once a month. And I said, yeah, yeah, I know he's sick. She said, no, no, he's sick, sick. He's uh he's in the hospital. I was like, okay, all right, I'll go. Um, I'll call him. So I called him at the hospital, and yeah, I said, what's wrong with you? Oh man, nothing, you know. I said, no, Negro. If everything was okay, you would be uh at home with your family, but you're not. You're laid up in the hospital like a two dollar hoe. What's wrong with you? It's like, oh, man, something's going on with my liver. I need a transplant. Now, mind you, I'm a broadcaster. I'm not a healthcare professional. So I'm thinking if something's wrong with his liver, he's got another one. No, that's the kidney. I found that out later. But as we talked, um, he was very reflective about our past, our love for one another, his duty as a dad to his daughter, his father, his mother, our friendship, some fun we had we laughed about a <laughs> a near-death experience that we almost had uh when we were just uh 13 years old his father jack had um <laughs> he had uh gone to burger king and gotten himself a hamburger Right. And so now mind you there's a house full of kids i'm at tony's house tony's there his sister's there some of her friends are there and 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 we, you know, we're at Tony's house, and uh, and and his dad, and his dad goes out to buy Burger King, comes back with one burger, 
And so it was April. So we thought it was an April Fool's prank, right? We were like, surely he did not go to Burger King and come back with one damn burger. Surely dad has got burgers in the car for all of us. And he just brought this in to tease us because they were a family who liked to laugh like I do. And so they like to joke and play around and stuff. And so uh, Tony's dad brought the burger in the house and set it on the table and walked away. So Tony snuck over like a kid, like a goofy kid, and he bit the burger. And his dad looked at us like a grown man who had worked all week and all he wanted to do was come home that day and eat that burger that he had bought for himself. There was fire in his eyes and there was smoke coming out of his ears. And in order not to kill us that day, Tony's dad just walked out of the house. And I don't know if he ever came back, but that was a very scary moment. I thought I saw Jesus. Uh, And as an adult, I understand if you get your meal and you sit down and your kid with their goofy self comes over to mess with your food. You be. Yeah, I'll be ready to. mm, Yeah, I'll be ready to do something to him, too. I ain't going to lie. Don't play by my food. Don't 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 play by my food. Not today, Satan. And so we laughed about that. And, you know, he talked about the plans that he had for his life that he wasn't able to accomplish. And, and you know, at the time, this was just two weeks ago. I, at the time, I didn't really get what he was doing. I didn't really understand it because I didn't know how sick my friend was. And he just kept saying, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, I'm, I, man, I'm trying to get out of here. I want to go home, man. It's crazy. And I was like, dude, what you going to go home for so you can be a burden on your family? Stay in the hospital where people are paid to take care of you. And then, you know, when you do go home, you're healed. You're better. You know, I didn't know he needed a liver transplant. I didn't know he was at the point where his organs were failing. I didn't understand that my friend and I, we were having our last and final conversation. So I thought, so he told me how mean he was being to the nurses because the boy's stubborn. He's bullheaded. And once he gets something in his mind, there's nothing you can do. Uh, nobody can talk him down off a cliff. OK. He was like, man, I've been really mean to these nurses because I want to go home and I, I know I can. And I've been taking it out on them. I'm like, damn, dude, you can't be mean to the damn nurses. Those are the people who are taking care of you. You're going to be the last one on the medication round. OK, they're going to be you're going to be the last one to get your pee cleaned up off the floor. Don't be mean to the nurses. And so it really worried me that he was being mean to these nurses. So. I sent uh, like several five or six dozen uh, the little bunt cakes from nothing bunt cakes up to the nurse's station with a note that just says, thank you for taking care of my friend. And then I sent my friend some flowers. Right. And I thought, you know, I'm going to check on him tomorrow. And tomorrow came and I got busy. And I said, I'm going to check on him tomorrow. And it was on my to do list. And tomorrow got busy. And then I remembered to write a note to the hospital administration to let them know how kind the nurses had been to my friend. And, you know, they they were so, so amazing. And, you know, he was telling me about their hard work. And I just wanted to pat them on the back, those nurses. And I said, as soon as I finish sending this note to the hospital administrators, I'm going to check on my friend. And then something happened with the kids. I didn't check on my friend. And so the phone rings and it was his sister. And she said, if you want to say goodbye, you need to get to Phoenix now. And I was like, oh, my God. I just talked to him a couple weeks ago, laughing and talking. 
I just sent the nurses cakes and I just sent the hospital administration a, a note. I just sent him some fly. What would happen? And she said his condition worsened and there's nothing they can do. His blood pressure is dropping. He might not make it through the night. So at this point, it's six, seven o'clock in Minnesota, right? Um, the flight that I could get, I wouldn't make it. I wouldn't make it in time. So my husband took the next day off from work. The first available flight out of Minnesota to Phoenix was at 7.30 in the morning. So I, I got up about 4 the next morning. I snuck out the house so the kids wouldn't hear me leaving um, and wake up. And I drove to the airport. And I got there. And I put my two gloves on and my two masks on and my face shield. And y'all know how I am by germs and being around other people. If anybody has been practicing social distancing during the COVID pandemic, honey, it is me. And when everybody eased restrictions and said that we could uh, take the masks off, I put two more on. And I put two more pair of gloves on. And I instead of doing six feet, I do 66 feet now. I don't see nobody. Nobody comes to my house. I don't go to anybody's house. We don't go anywhere. We stay as a self-contained unit at the Brundage Compound in Cottage Grove, Minnesota. I don't play that shit. I don't fuck around with the COVID, so the COVID does not fuck around with me. Live however y'all want to live. This is how I'm living. So being in the airport was giving me anxiety. I just, whew, I saw all those people, and then I'm at the gate, and I find out the plane is full. But I'm getting on this plane. So I could say goodbye to my friend. So I could chew his ear off one more time about how cute my kids are. Laugh at a story from junior high. Reminisce about our first kiss. And um, as I was about to board the the plane, um, I got a note from his aunt. She said, don't go. Go home and take care of your babies. Because by the time you get there, he will be gone. And I thought, what is she talking about? His blood pressure was in the single digits at this point, and they were not giving him any medication to bring it back up. I'm in line to board, y'all, getting on the damn plane. I got a car service waiting for me on the other end to take me from the airport to the hospital so I can hold my friend's hand. 40 years almost of friendship. But she's my elder, so um, I did not want to do anything that their family didn't want me to do. And to be respectful. Because I don't know what kind of situation I'm walking into. So I got back in the car. I called Delta. They refunded my flight. Called the car service. Canceled it. And for some reason, I'm you know, and, and I had some flowers to take to his sister. Um, so I took the flowers um, and put them in the front seat. I put the bag in the trunk. Um, and I just kind of sat in the car in the airport parking lot, not sure what to do. You know, I know I got to go home, but for whatever reason, I felt like if I was leaving the airport, I was leaving my friend. And I wouldn't be able to have that goodbye that I was hoping for. Wouldn't be able to tell him I love him to his face, kiss his lips, hold his warm hand one last time. You know? So, um, I got in the car. And I turned it on. 
and I put it on Sirius XM, The Groove. And this song came blasting out. You made me happy. This you can bear. You stood right beside me. I knew at that moment that my friend Tony's presence was there. He was telling me goodbye through the maestro himself, Frankie Beverly and Mays, before I let you go. When he said, you make me happy. Oh, because we always enjoy the laugh. You still right beside me. Even at our lowest points, we held each other up. We knew that we could lean on one another. I said, I really love you. You should know. I want to make sure I'm right before I let go. And Lord have mercy. When it got to this part. You know I think the sun rises and shines on you. I lost it. We thought the sun rose and set on each other. I've never experienced a mutual love like that in my life. Where somebody loves you as much as you love them at exactly the same time. That was my friend. 